Welcome to episode 140 of Podcast Pilgrim. My name is Russell. The sun is not just shining, it is blazingly warm out there. But we're indoors um, because we're good soldiers like that. And it's uh, Gareth and Hugh. How are you, gents? Good, mate. I'm uh, well. How are you? Well, this has been sponsored by a brand of antibiotics this week, so I've been better. But um, these encouraging results, uh, well, good, not encouraging results, encouraging performance against Poland helped. And it's it's hard not to be up for it this week. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm grand. Hugh, how are you? Yeah, mostly okay. Thanks. I've, I've, I'm only uh, knocking back various industrial strength hay for medication. So not on the antibiotics, although it might be soon because oh, it's a big pollen one, isn't it? It's a big pollen summer. At least I'm fine. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, you sound a little bit bit full up. You sort of watched the game a bit sort of hurried or at sort of like four times the speed. Is that right? Last night the pollen game. I caught up, having got back midway through the half from kind of collecting, uh, sorry, at half time rather, from collecting children from nursery and such. I kind of watched the highlights of the first half and then managed to get through a more leisurely pace, but not, but kind of doing the, following the live text commentary. So, oh, here's an interesting foul. Let's watch the foul. Or oh, here's a half chance, half chance. So it was kind of extended highlights, if you see what I mean. And then I saw the whole second half. So, um, yeah, I think I got a decent overview of it in the end. And you could see that there were some good performances in the first half, even if staff didn't come to fruition and then obviously the second half there was a lot of change and some worked and, and some didn't ultimately yeah um should we start with Westburn on his debut uh a ballet boy guys yeah yeah i thought he did well i thought um i was pretty surprised that that he ended up on the left when we had a makeshift right wing back in matt smith as well but you know he looked really positive a couple of um sort of drives in field early on, you know, he was a, an, an attacking threat, got a, the odd shot away. And I think for someone who was on the periphery of the squad a few years ago, but has kind of fallen out of the thinking of, of Wales managers to get that chance and sort of grab it like that was, was pretty impressive. I think it's always nice to find a sort of extra option in some of those positions. And yeah, I thought, I thought he was one of the, the big positives. Because if I look over my shoulder, there is a picture of the Euro 2016 squad or, or the, the sort of pre-tournament training squad and a lot of fans that had the, um, the opportunity and the pleasure to go and watch them train. And uh, I took my lad along and it's a, a signed shirt framed. Um, and he's he's in that he's in that lineup. They let sort of the youngsters sit there. So there's Tyler Roberts, there's Ethan Ampadu. I've got my glasses on so I can't see them all, but he's there. In fact, he actually he actually kind of muscled his way into the, the sort of like the proper bit of the lineup. He's, he's next to, uh, I think it's Simon Church and, and Aaron Ramsey. It's definitely Aaron Ramsey, because even without my glasses, I can, I can, I can tell the, the peroxide from here. So yeah, it's been in and around the squad. I always thought he looked the part as well uh, with the lads. Was it, oh, it was Sullivan, I forget his surname. The two strikers that played up front in the under-21s in that era. And I thought he, he, he looked like he was going to make the transition at the very least. Been in a few squads. Uh, or a handful of squads, but um, but yeah, it's taken till the age I think about twenty seven to get his. Camp. Yeah, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of hope for him, wasn't it? In those sort of pre Kiefer Moore days when we were sort of back and forth between Church and Vokes and Robson Carnu and sort of who plays up front, we kind of would, or Wales fans would kind of latch on to any kind of striking talent that might sort of progress. And then you know he was he he seemed promising. I mean, he would get these low moves and he'd score a handful of goals, but it never really happened for him. I think he went to Fleetwood for a bit, didn't he? But I think he's had a good season. I think position he's changed a bit at Ipswich. You, you wonder if, you know, there's a, maybe a few years in the championship ahead of him if either 
Ipswich could kick on a bit next year or he could get a move somewhere. So, you know, I think he's 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 got a chance of being sort of in and around the squad for a while. Well, we'll see. When I've been kind of taking the, the party line to explain to angry Ipswich fans why he's not been in Wales's squad for the last, say, 12 months, or a bit less than that, um, it's, it's mainly because he's been playing largely as a right wing back for them. And we just have so many, which is why it was so kind of surreal in a way to see Matt Smith playing there. Because um, he, he's played there, I think, once or twice in his career ever, and he can kind of fill in that position. But it's so strange that we have in the squad alone four proper and good right wing backs. And that's not even including Chris Gunter, who is a right back, if not right wing back. And then we ended up putting Burns on the left, which I'm not sure he's ever really played that much. Um, and uh, Smith on the right. And Burns did a really good job kind of playing almost as basically an auxiliary winger, happily cutting in and running at defenders, even though he was in a theoretically defensive position. It was, it was pretty encouraging that. Just your mind back when we were speaking to uh, to Ben from the view from the Ninian, we were talking about you know, Ruben Colwell and, and, and um, you know, Isaac Davis and the likes of those. We mentioned in dispatches, I guess, I mean, no longer a Cardiff player, Cameron Cox, another right back, coincidentally, who'd sort of dropped all the way down to the conference, uh, National League, and uh, was beginning to inch his way back up the, the, the divisions, if you like, which which is kind of what Wes Burns has done, uh, notwithstanding a, a stint in Scotland as well. So again, it does sort of show that you can, you can drop down and work your way back, not just up the divisions, but actually get back into the into the squad, which hopefully sends positive messages to the likes of, I don't know, players like Cameron Cox. Jordan Davies came to mind at Wrexham. We went from Wrexham to Brighton, didn't work out, back to Wrexham, but has been one of their star players this season. So I thought that's quite encouraging, really. Yeah, I think with Burns, he was kind of a player between Championship and League One level anyway. And I think he made the right decision in the end to leave Bristol City and kind of dive into League One proper, if you like. And then actually having a few seasons of regular football with the same team really helped him out. And then he's now got a move to a a bigger club in League One and absolutely done brilliantly. And then now, you know, there'll be Championship interest, although I think he's going to stay with Ipswich. And then, as you say, maybe in a year's time, he'll be kind of one promotion to the Championship. But I think you mentioned 2016. I think he'd actually had a pretty good season that year at Fleetwood and I think possibly playing in the championship a bit for um, Bristol City. I think it was at the time, wasn't he? And then I think he then had a quiet couple of years after that. So he seemed almost on the brink and then not on the... I don't know what not on the brink is. Half Halfway up. Yeah. <laughs> half, yeah half the, Ab- the, the Aberdeen move didn't really work out, did it? I, I don't think he scored a goal in Scotland. And um, yeah, he, he really sort of... Fell out, fell out the uh, off the radar for a bit after that. He certainly was, you know, he's certainly been well. He hasn't really been in any part of a discussion we've had on this podcast for a good three or four years. I wouldn't have thought, but um, yeah, nice to see him back and doing so well. Just the angry Ipswich fans that he was diplomatically <laughs> yeah. uh, engaged us with. No, it's true. He didn't score any league goals. I think he scored on his debut, which would have been like a, an early season or, or, or like an early European prelim, maybe even uh, a preliminary. Okay. The preliminaries or qualifying games these days, I think. So I think he got off the mark really, really quickly. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's fair to say it didn't quite, quite work out. I guess as well, he's had to learn, uh, for a better way of putting it, a new position as well. And I think it would be interesting. Maybe this is a kind of like a you know, shout out to, to the trans of the Red Wall to maybe come on and give us maybe a little bit of a uh, an insight then or an Ipswichized view on 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 that transition because he did show his attacking quality. In the way that he he, he you know he cut inside, there were some interesting balls. He connected really really well with that volley, which which was deflected wide. So he showed his attacking chops. Whether he was really put under a huge amount of pressure, 
defensively, it tended to come down uh, either through the middle in the first half, and then I felt Bowling really just ruthlessly <laughs> um, targeted Matt Smith um, on, on 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 his flank. But um, he did he did show he's got that that attacking uh, sort of mindset then, and, and and that idea of positional play as well. He picked up some interesting positions I felt on the, you know, the edge of the area and things like that. He had played as a wing back kind of primarily the season before with Fleetwood, I think, as well, because I think it was quite a sudden switch because he'd been going from playing on the wing or even occasionally as a striker, and then suddenly was appearing at right wing back or actually sometimes even right back in a back four and it was like well that's an aggressive move from at the time Jerry Barton not unlike him it felt like well this doesn't really seem like a move that's going to hang around surely but it really has and I think Ipswich presumably signed him to play that role he's done really well in that role for two years at league one level I guess it's kind of a question of whether he can do it against better opposition than league one level but he's had two years at right wing back now and I guess he's used to it it's just a position where we've got four already the other player that caught my eye was uh, was Dylan Levitt discussed him with the uh, the Doe Fox done the United podcast for episode 137 and they absolutely adore him up there he was the I think he was the fans player here actually such was his uh, his impression that he made and so I've heard today as well that United, Manchester United have taken up the years option on his contract as well so notwithstanding he might go out on loan again Gain, um, he's going to have the opportunity to, to impress uh, Eric Ten Hag, which is nice. I'm not sure I necessarily saw that coming, even though it was quite a promising season up in Dundee United. But I thought he did really, really well yesterday against Poland. He dictated tempo, uh, he got his foot in, he sprayed the ball around quite nicely. Really unfussy, efficient, composed performance. Yeah, I thought that was his, uh, his best game for Wales so far. And taking on so much more of the responsibility in, in the midfield, it's good to see we've got someone like him coming through to do that. I mean, we, we talked a bit, well, I did, after the sort of Czech Republic friendly, that, you know, I, I, I didn't feel after a game like that, sometimes you learn that much when you've got a second string not really playing with any of your more established players. But the nation, one of the good things about the Nations League is it, it takes that away. It feels that much more competitive. Of course, we're playing at that sort of higher league now, again, away against a team like Poland. So even with a second string, when they perform well, you know, that's a proper game against proper opponents. And I thought... Levitt was really important when we when we had the ball. The, the fact that we've got someone else other than Joe Allen who could sort of play forward balls from the middle of the park a little bit more and sort of um, well, you know, dictate the tempo a little bit for periods of the game. I thought was really really promising. I think if if United are keeping him on, and I can't see that he's got necessarily a future playing for for Manchester United, but I think it's probably a sign that they recognise here's a player that they can sort of send out on another loan or two and. As his sort of standing rises in the game, there's probably some money they can make on him eventually at whatever level he rises to when he when he leaves them permanently. Yeah, I've not much to add. I, I've not much to add on that. I thought I thought he and Morel were both um, quite good. I and mean, Morel obviously has grown into a role where we know we can rely on him to an extent now. I think. I mean, this might go into stuff we're going to discuss later, but I think there was a, a bit of surprise from myself and others that Morel played 90 minutes because Jesse might not play Sunday but um, Levitt has shown that perhaps there is as you say kind of a future in that role I'm still not sure I trust him as kind of the deepest lying midfielder if you like but as a central midfielder and a two or three I, then yeah I think he he perhaps has a, a good future hopefully at um, our level and if he gets an interesting loan next year either back to Scotland or Championship uh, maybe lower Prem I think probably more Championship they'll be interesting to see how that goes yeah, it restored my it's restored my faith a little bit. I you know, I don't want to make any sort of uh, blanket judgments about a league I don't know well, but I just felt like we talked about Wes Burns and George Williams and Woodburn. It's it started to feel like the Scottish Premier League is where Welsh international careers go to die. 
church. But <laughs> but a church, yeah. But he's he seems to have really really benefited from that move. And I you know I, I could certainly see him on the basis of last night playing playing championship football uh, next year. That was really sort of um, promising to see. It's interesting what you say though, like not just morale, but Levitt and Mepham all played the 90, didn't they? And you think, well, that's probably a sign that Ampadu's playing at the back, do we think, on uh, against Ukraine? And do Morel or, or Levitt then start in the midfield? It suggests maybe it's, it's it's going back to that like Austria and Belarus system with, with Joel on his own at the base of the midfield. And having watched Ukraine a bit last night, that does that does make me a little bit nervous, I, it's I a would lot say. I'd assumed that Morel would come in for Wilson uh, now that he's unsuspended. Um back on the ground if you like he uh i kind of thought we'd want uh, a bit more solidity in there because alan was just so exposed and the defense was so exposed last time but seeing morel play 90 minutes and i suppose there are there is four days between the game not three four and a bit but um that surprised me a bit because i was expecting him to come in and i agree i think ampadu will probably be in the back um three kind of right side of center back so maybe it's just going to be balls to the wall Four one five again from Page, and um, try and vibe it, <laughs> vibe his way through. Ukraine, watching our Scotland game, came bombing through the middle on several occasions, driving possession right through the middle. Scotland left gaps all over the park, and they never really got to grips with, with it. And and players seem to be kind of coming out of line and, and things. That, still not quite sure what they were trying to do. But nevertheless, Ukraine seemed to capitalise on that and just can charge it through the middle. So I think you'd want a little bit more of a, a platform or a shield, if you like, a defensive shield than we than we offered against Austria. And don't forget, you know, Austria started well last time out against us. We took a few minutes to, to settle. We don't want to be giving them that opportunity to, to establish a foothold in the, in the game, um, which Scotland basically let them do really, really early on and then never let go of it. It depends if we go in with the mentality that we want to get hold of the bit more ball a bit more and take the game to them. I mean, if Wilson and Ramsey can have a certain level of discipline without the ball, it, it did seem that Scotland's most effective periods were when they were, you know, getting at Ukraine. I think, given that we've got the likes of Bale and Ramsey and players who are going to give them a bit more to think about, you know, in our attacking third, maybe that is the way. I wouldn't normally say this, but a little bit more going ho. But I don't know. It does. We've watched so many years of Ledley and now Morel sort of playing such an important role, especially against stronger teams. I don't know, it just makes me nervous whenever we try something a little bit more like that. But Scotland weren't... Yeah, I suppose there's... there's well, is, is you know, gung-ho to my mind anyway. Maybe this is just kind of interpretations and, and, and semantics, but gung-ho is just like you're just chucking everything at it. But you can do that in a in a in a disciplined, controlled yeah. way, and you can do it in a just I don't know recklessly. For me, it felt more the latter in Scotland's case that it wasn't composed attacking play. It was just a little bit like let's just have a crack, and then left gaps everywhere, and then got picked off. You eventually um, okay, they, they pulled one back to be fair, but I think the goalkeeper had as much yeah, it's not fortunate to do with that than 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 anything that was kind of coherent, uh, you know, attacking play from 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 Scotland. I think. And I actually have an enormous amount of respect for Steve Clark. I've kind of defended him and uh, praised him a lot over the last decade or so for his work with West Brom and Kilmarnock and Reading and Scotland. But they were poor in that game and they didn't look well coached, actually. The, the, kind of, the team didn't look like it had a kind of coordinated pressing plan, which sounds very highfalutin, but essentially means the defence was too deep and the attack was too far forward. So as soon mm. as they got past those two kind of 
strikers doing a bit of a, a mediocre press. They just had this huge midfield to work with. And I'd like to think that we'll be a bit more kind of organised in terms of how we're going to do that, try and compress it a bit more. So that, as you say, we're not giving them the freedom to just fly through the middle whenever they feel like. Whether yeah. it means that we sit deeper or whether it means the defence push up, I'd like to think that we're going to kind of make the pitch a little bit smaller for them. Um, I was going to say that was quite an area of, of, of strength for us uh, against Belgium. I know that was with Murad in the team, but then against Austria as well. And OK, we ceded the odd chance to Austria a little bit, but we were much better at the press and winning the ball and or at least stopping the opposition having time on the ball in their half um, against Austria. And I was one of the sort of keys to the victory. So Ukraine are not going to find it as easy to um, play their way through the middle against us, even if it's even if it is just Alan at the base. I mean that the number eight for the Ukraine, he seemed to have um, you know large amounts of time on the ball to pick a pass going forward. And I just Malinovsky. can't imagine as yeah yeah. And I just He's can't imagine us well. giving him that same sort of time. Well, you'd hope not anyway. Yeah, that's my only concern is if Alan's kind of expected to get him and Zinchenko and um, whoever's sitting, whether it's Stepanenko or, or other players. But I mean, those two eights, like Zinchenko and Malinovsky, just both seriously good players. I mean, Zinchenko, I kind of sometimes we think at Man City, yeah, he's already right, filling a left back. But then on against Scotland, he looked very, very good. And that's two very strong central midfielders for them. So it's, it's, it's not as if I think we should go out to defend or anything. I just think it would be unnecessarily... Not naive, but because because I, I think there's a reason behind it. But I, I I don't think playing Wilson and Ramsey as like central midfielders, also not both of them, <laughs> is is worth the reward for the risk. The risk is you go two down quickly. The reward is you've got an extra attacker when we have them. Do you see what I mean? Mm, yeah. But I trust. I do have some faith in Paige to get this kind of thing right. To be fair, I'm just kind of. I think we're only inclined to worry because why wouldn't you? We wouldn't have a podcast if we were confident <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other talking points on the Poland game before we, we really? What did you think of um, Matondo when he came on? More well, promise? I thought so, and then I saw a lot of people kind of saying the same thing. He's always been hit with like, oh, all he can do is run in a straight line, fast. He's not got anything else. And I didn't see. I thought he was better than that this time. And I, and I mean, I've, I've previously said he hasn't had opportunities. He's had a couple more opportunities now since his move to. Belgium and he's looked a bit brighter each time but I thought he had a little bit more intelligence about his game this week as well he actually made the right decision sometimes a bit unfortunate with the execution he wasn't perfect but I felt like he offered more than he has done for us in the past yeah he got himself in a few more few more sort of threatening positions didn't he I I just always feel like he kind of he doesn't really know what he's going to do until he's doing it you know I think he he seemed Mm. to sort of he seemed to get himself into those threatening sort of positions much more and 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 actually delivered a couple of um good balls then but I always feel like he sort of I don't ever imagine him sort of running at a player and thinking right I'm gonna do this to beat this guy and then I'm gonna put this ball I always feel like he's sort of I don't know, <laughs> a little bit, bit like Russ and I when we're playing five a side. That you don't know what you're going to do, and then it happens, and you sort of hope for the best. But I'm sure there's much more uh, technical nous to it than that from a player at that level. But it just, uh, it it just looks so unpredictable. Comparisons with with, with Rabi Matondo and us are, are, are quite wide of the mark in, in, <laughs> yeah. in every other in every other way. Let's just yeah. be absolutely clear. It's in the same kind of area. He's a clinician boy, isn't he? Uh, I think it's Tremorva, isn't it? Is he Tremorva? Ah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I stand, stand corrected, but yeah. I thought he looked a bit bulkier. I thought he looked 
as if he'd bulked up a little bit. Uh, and the Barry Hunt on Twitter suggesting the same. But then, of course, he played against the Czechs, and I didn't notice it that time. So I wouldn't imagine he's kind of like bulked up in, in, the, in the space of whatever it's been, six weeks or so. I don't know whether he just seemed a little bit less sort of waspish, I suppose, is how I've always thought him in the past. I, I would agree with all of that, promising. That I think there's still, still some question marks over, like you said, end product. What is he going to do once he's into promising positions? You don't always feel confident that he'll make the right decision. But he seems to have played himself back into what is essentially... I mean, he's in the second string, isn't he? He's on the cusp of the second string. He's not, I think, threatening the first team anytime soon. But he's he's playing himself back into uh, Page's plans. Having potentially, obviously, found himself you know, out in the cold after he was sent home that, that time. Uh, from the squad so he's on the right trajectory I suppose but you think David Brooks eventually is going to be coming back into that side he's another wide player a different type of wide player he's competitive in those wide positions so he's got to he's got to keep working hard I think and he's got to keep making an impression wherever he ends up playing next season yeah he's got an interesting season ahead isn't he because he, he yeah, he's, per- yeah. he's a permanent player at Schalke isn't he so he's had his yeah. year in Belgium but yeah, it remains to be seen. I mean, he had a good season for Bruges, didn't he, this year? So I wonder if he's in Schalke's thinking for next year. Well, I mean, they're they're back on the top flight, aren't they? So I think perhaps he isn't. If he was in the second division again, then maybe. But I th- it might be they don't trust him in the in the top flight. We'll see. I had um the I don't know what the uh, what the phrase is the kind of compliment sandwich thing. But in terms of the Wales Poland game, I had like two more positives and a negative. So if I slip the neg- negative in the middle, then hopefully no one will notice it and I won't get pelters. <laughs> so the positive was that. I thought Ward looked like he hadn't missed months. He made a very smart save, one or two others. I do think he noticed a difference between himself and Wayne Hennessy being in goal. I was surprised to hear on Radio Wales, because I heard the first half on the radio, Nathan Blake and um, commentator saying how Hennessy and Ward, there's no obvious number one between them at the moment. I think there is. I, th- I think it is Ward. And, and I feel like Hennessy just still looking a little cumbersome still and unhappy with the ball at his feet so I, I was pleased to see Ward looking like he hadn't really been away the negative is I'm not sure Chris Gunn should be playing for us much longer the positive though is that Kiefer Moore and Dan James <laughs> I thought actually had a really nice partnership up front whether when they've both got their flaws but they actually seem to have a link together more than most I mean I'm not sure I'd want to play them both together ahead of say you know Bale and Johnson but it means that together they've got a bit of an understanding Good, let's move on I don't think anyone noticed the negative bit I was going to say if you were hoping to rush through that uh <laughs> <laughs> negative in the middle of the sandwich so quick that no Wales fan would hear it I don't know I reckon you failed <laughs> yeah yeah but most people would return that sandwich it's such a, a, a paltry filling actually yes um, that's a fair <laughs> yeah but um Gunter worried me he, he did I mean I, I I'd love him right. being in there he actually offered a couple of bits going forward but I'm not sure this wide centre-back role is really for him and I mean when you think about it, we have got other options like Tommy Lockyer could be in the squad Lockyer could be in the squad he's had another decent season like Luton fans don't understand why he's not really been in it but I mean this, this is a problem for another time really I think well he's been released by Charlton as well oh god I'm kicking him and he's down well, you get the sense there's probably what another year two years max I mean, he's only 32 miles he's not old but he's got a lot of miles on the clock uh, yeah I think it's that cliched he offers a lot in the dressing room there's a reason why he's captain for the night as well you know there are some younger players there there's some players playing out of position as well so he's there to provide that kind of steady influence whether you can only or primarily do that without actually contributing in any kind of defensive or attacking way i'm not i'm not sure how much longer he could he could sustain that but um Robin Lewandowski got to tick another thing off the bucket list by by tossing the coin with him so that's 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 something <laughs> 
I'm, I'm just looking as well, actually, talking about sort of second string and things like that. I hadn't realised quite how many caps were in that Poland lineup, and then they brought a lot of caps on as well uh, when Grzyczki came on. Lewandowski, 130th cap. Zielinski, that was his 69th. Uh, Glick, 93rd cap. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was that. Krakowia. rotated a lineup. I don't follow them that closely, but it, I recognised a good like eight of a regular starting eleven in there from what I've well, seen before. Page, if page, page said it was a first, more or less the first choice. I mean, I guess it was just a, the the goalkeeper. I think made his debut. I think Grabber, a former Liverpool, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, is this increasingly looking like Biff from Back to the Future? I thought. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he stayed on the bench. So yeah, it, it it was a very strong lineup. To be fair. Um, or very experienced lineup, put it that way. So yeah, uh, Johnny Williams scored, which is always lovely. Uh, it bounced about fifteen times, I think, on the way in. The keeper probably should have done a little bit better, but um, I thought he was so far off the pace to begin with. It was just like this League Two to international football is a big leap, and then he just kind of clawed his way back into the game, which I think does reflect well on his his ability and a, and a you know, probably a little bit of nous as well. But yeah, he did okay in the end, I thought. But it took a while to settle in. Just a quick reminder that we now have a Patreon page where you can subscribe to any one of four tiers, ranging from £2 to £10 a month. There's a range of exclusive content coming your way, as well as some other perks and offers, not least a 10% discount on purchases with exquisitely Wrexham-based artist Liam Stokes-Massey, aka Pencil Craftsman. Just head over to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast underscore Peldroid. Touched a little already. Ukraine did look really, really good. I think Scotland, to a certain extent, made them look good. Didn't really turn up. The Scottish fans, uh, really, really quite critical. There's a BBC podcast that I think you know, they're highlighting it or advertising. You know, one of the, the links to that by sort of saying you know it could have been it could have been five, it could have been six. Difficult position to be in playing them. They were going to have their tails up, full of you know pride and, and, and all the rest of that. My hope is that they don't have a huge amount left in the tank to play another critical game so soon after having had so little game time for a lot of their players. But they didn't look tired or anything at Hamden, did they? Much the same. I kind of thought, yeah, legs might be an issue for them. I mean, they did make five subs, so they they probably rested as much as they can, some of their players. But um some of the key players played the full 90 as well. So, and it's just the kind of conditioning aspect of how ready they are to play two games in five days after um, such a long time without any kind of competitive football. At the same time, I think we need to try as much as possible not to be overawed by the status of the opposition because um, the Hampton Park just felt, watching on TV, felt a lot quieter than usual. Like, I mean, before kickoff, it was a little bit rowdier, but as soon as the game kicked off, and I don't know if it was nerves as well as anything else, it felt a bit hushed, a bit, and I don't want to say respectful because I don't think that's necessarily the case and it would be wrong for me to try and guess the passions of 60,000 Scotland fans, but certainly it didn't feel like the kind of raucous atmosphere that we've seen from Scotland fans of the last couple of years and it seemed to affect the players or perhaps both ways, the players didn't give the fans something to um, to cheer on, so I don't think that would be the case for us at Cardiff City Stadium, I hope not, I mean Amal Heed is going to get everyone going Genghis Dove the Irons there again, but um, it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic i think if it had been wales versus scotland it would have been kind of full-throated blood on the pitch kind of levels of support from the fans and i i don't know what it's going to be if it's going to just naturally take a slightly different stance now even if people don't want it to 
Yeah, it, it, that was surprising because, you know, as, I mean, there's all sorts of ideas on social media about, you know, Scotland and now Wales being the bad guys and all this sort of thing. But but actually, the actual fans who cared about Scotland or Wales qualifying for World Cup, you know, I'm sure have no problem at all holding two very distinct positions, which is that we're very aware and conscious and, and, and sympathetic to all the awful things going on there. But we really, really want our team to qualify for a, a World Cup. And those two things can be exclusive of each other. And I'd have thought on Sunday, the respect we will rightly show for, for U- Ukraine, you know, even more so because of what's going on, will be quite compartmentalised around the the anthem and the, the teams coming out. But uh, beyond that, I'd be I'd be very surprised if the Wales fans aren't as as kind of passionate and vocal as, as ever and focused on, you know, our team getting to a World Cup, which is which is what we want. Yeah, I certainly heard the case. I think I just kind of, I was surprised by the Scottish, but maybe it was nerves. Mm. Again, it was just a little flatter than I'd expected. It may have fed back from the pitch and may have just been the fans different. Who knows what it was? It's, um, I, you'd hope that we're not going to be in that position. And I guess we'll, I actually won't yeah. be in the red wall. I'm kind of adjacent. I'm in. The curve or Asda, I think it's called, the uh, in the corner looking on to the left, but um, which was fantastic before because I was right behind um, Ewan for straight for the Austria game, so I'll be able to get a good look of yeah. how the atmosphere's going. I don't know whether to feel sort of more nervous following the the game la- last night. I think bet I had in my head and I a, a kind of really ideal scenario where both teams looked sort of a little bit laboured and non-threatening and then maybe one team nicked it with a kind of scrappy goal well into extra time so whoever got the players was going to be really tired but what we actually got was one team that looked a lot more composed in control technically good and and well prepared so I, I guess now it is down to a sort of maybe slightly more vain hope that they struggle to sort of replicate that in a second game so soon. But I guess we can also hope that maybe a lot of how good Ukraine looked was down to sort of Scotland not turning up and performing. But, you know, I think Ukraine surprised me, I think, in terms of how good and how ready they they appeared to yeah, be. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy times game. of looking a little bit... Um the ref around the edge is a bit sketchy, he's kind of a little bit in possession going loose or just not reading each other's game, a bit of kind of short play from the keeper going a bit awry, which we could exploit. But you're right, they looked better than I expected them to be. I very much expected Scotland to win that game. But Ukraine looked better than I thought and obviously now <laughs> would say would hope because we're facing them. But if you just look at the teams on the table, I still think they're a team that we would be, I don't want to say expecting to beat, but because it sounds very arrogant, but essentially recognising that we're strong enough to beat them and exploit any weaknesses they do have while playing to our own strengths, if we go the right way about it. And they also have quite a lot of fans behind them, that hand, and I wasn't really too sure what to expect in that regard. I mean, clearly there will be a large, I guess, Ukrainian population, you know, in Britain. Uh, you know, a lot of these people have, have, have come here because of the, because of the war, but um, I wasn't too sure whether there would be much of a, an away following, and it seemed... Seem to be quite a few, and they seem to be, you know, fine voice as well. I mean, there were things like the anthem, and and, and you know, that's that's to be expected, of course. But um, yeah, uh, I'd sort of seen references maybe sort of three to four weeks ago about you know if it was Ukraine coming to Cardiff City, you know, they're not going to bring many. Whereas if it's Scotland, they're going to come in in their in their thousands upon thousands, I mean, you know, because that's what the Tartan Army does. But you saw what Rangers did with them, you know, their European final the other week, just descend on 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 Cardiff. Um, Ukraine will be bringing some. I presume because they they took quite a few to Hamden, so um, you know they'll they'll have some fans behind them as well. But maybe they won't be quite that acute. I don't know. 
I don't know what it's like to be playing football when your country's under a you know attack and invasion like this. But that sense that maybe that kind of real acute kind of emotional energy and drive that was behind that first game for months since the invasion, that maybe they've they've kind of got over that. They won't have that quite to draw on to the same extent against us on Sunday. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit more of a footballing, purely footballing and tactical approach that they take on the condition side of things as well. It felt. It felt. It felt to me like they were a good footballing side. They weren't kind of playing with emotion. It looked like they got, they were kind of mm. following the team instructions they'd be given. I mean, one thing I was pretty unhappy with was the um, otherwise generally good Sky commentator saying his kind of pre-kickoff line um, that they're hoping to harness the heartbreak of their homeland. And it's like, it's yeah, very nice alliteration and all, but it felt... I mean, it felt part of the else was inaccurate, but also pretty crass to say that they're going to hope and hopefully use that as motivation. Like you can say, like distraction, if you want. You can say that it's you know ray of light in the darkness and various cliches. It's a bit, I say, crass and inappropriate, and also just inaccurate. I think to them to say like, yes, this horrible situation back home. Let's really use that to our advantage. So I feel like with this, I don't know if that's gonna. I, I feel like that narrative is perhaps even overplayed i don't think they're going out they're going let's let's use this and kind of yeah i, I think they're going out there to play a football match and it's just extra emotional for them if they win and when they win i don't know if it's driving them on the pitch if you see what i mean mm. but then again i've not not been the situation they have as you were saying they had been in a sort of like a camp though hadn't they, they had that and they played and it's bushy mentioned glad back and then they played a couple of other friendlies against club sites as well so you know they had a couple of runouts and there was a sense that kind of like almost like a pre-tournament camp that you might get where you're able to work on things I mean notwithstanding some players obviously would have had a few more sort of commitments in terms of end of the season and stuff perhaps but where they might have been a little bit rusty in certain things they did seem to be a, a good kind of and again perhaps it's to be expected that togetherness they haven't just been assembled together at the last minute they had spent time together so they have had an opportunity to work on things um, but maybe not in that competitive environment and but they, they came through that test last night with flying colours really but it goes what you were saying earlier guys I mean you know to what extent Scotland's non-show, you know, a factor in that. What are the calls for Robert Page then in terms of our selection? I mean, does the we talked a bit about Morel, yes or no, and I suppose that would be over Harry Wilson. I mean, does everything else pretty much pick itself in in terms of the sort of personnel that played against Austria and Belgium and Belarus? Well, because we haven't mentioned him yet, but the interesting one then is is, mm. is Dan James because he had a half. And I wasn't really expecting to see him yesterday. It's not as if he's needed games in the same way that maybe Kiefer Moore has needed some games, or I mean, he didn't play, but Joe Roden, you know, hasn't played much. Um, you know, Dan James, you know, has played you know quite a bit this season. So that was an interesting one. That's that's the one I'm not too sure about what he's got. He did miss the last three games of the Premier League season because he was suspended. So um, there's obviously a slight mm. element of getting back to speed with that if he starts. So it could be. Let's get him 45 minutes of match action before, you know, the biggest game of our, of our lives or, or whatever. But you may have a point because I wondered if it meant, hinted at perhaps Brennan Johnson starting in his place on Sunday because Johnson could do a lot of the things he's doing in terms of stretching the play and adding serious pace, not as fast as James because only cheaters are as fast as James. But um, <laughs> Johnson can do that counter-attacking thing and offer more of a threat as well. I mean... I know one's a Premier League player. Well, actually, no, they're both Premier League players now. One has been a Premier League player and one is about to be, but I think Johnson's a better player than James, effectively. And I did wonder if Page was going to make that call and send Johnson out at the start. But at the same time, the fact that 
James had missed, you know, several weeks of football and could have done with a tune up while Johnson was recovering from the playoff final could just mean it was, as you said, just getting him legs before before the final. And there were a few fans, not least on this podcast, before the Austria games, welcoming or would have been happy had Johnson started, and of course he didn't. So yeah, I'm 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 inclined to to follow your thinking there, Hugh. I think I think there's possibility a little change coming, but. I would still expect to see James at some point, even if he doesn't start. I'll be amazed if Johnson starts ahead of James on uh, on Sunday. That, I mean, Johnson has shown yeah, bright cameos in a Wales shirt already, and he's been fantastic this season. But that's a big call in in such a big game to make. You know, I think it's easy to forget because James can be a little bit inconsistent with his delivery, and, and you know, you saw it a little bit on. Um, Last night, didn't we? He had that fantastic sort of break through the middle of the pitch, but then didn't quite sort of time or weight the ball to, to Kiefer Moore very well. So he is frustrating like that. But we've seen time and time again, he 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 gives the opposition such a fright, such a thing to think about. And I know he missed a couple against Austria, but you know he made those he he made those runs. He got in those positions. And yes, Brennan Johnson may well be capable of doing doing similar international level, but you don't look to. You don't look to find that out more fully in a, a game as big as this. I think Brennan Johnson would be a great option off the bench, but Dan James, I think, has, has done more than enough to prove that he's he carries one of our biggest threats, and, and I, I'm almost certain he'll yeah, start. Point, I think he's likely to start. The, the counterpoint I would say to that is I think we've seen enough at club level that Johnson is relatively nerveless. Like The fact that he's perfectly happy taking penalty in a playoff final, having had absolutely no whatever. I, I think if any player was happy to be thrown in, if you like, at the deep end, it would be him. And it's not like he's in the same way as someone like Colwell played little football. He's played a hell of a lot of football, including two playoff finals in his career. Like He's, he's actually played probably more playoff finals than... Um, uh, than most of our players, in fact. But no, I do take your point. I think James is probably the likeliest starter, but I wouldn't worry about it feeling like testing something. I'd, even if he hasn't, even if he's only started, I think, one game for Wales, mm. I think he should be seen as a ready player, not a player for the future, if you see what I mean. The other thing I wondered is if mm. um, Wilson might yeah. stay, but Morel coming in as well. And so just Wilson and Ramsey operating as like dual tens, if you like, rather than a two but that's probably a bit less likely because it gives less mobility up front with Bale and actually it's interesting to see a lot of people Wales and non-Wales saying just how Kiefer Moore has to start and I've kind of been assuming he won't because it, Moore and Bale together seems like a relatively unlikely combination but Kiefer Moore hasn't been benched for many games when he's been fit under Page I have to say or, or gigs in fact it's, it's not often he's He's usually playing as a fair, but well, we, I, I assume he won't. But sorry, what were you going to say, uh, there, Gareth? Uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say we were regularly having the conversation on this podcast prior to those games against Belarus, Belgium, and Austria that we in the past had struggled to kind of carry a really sort of um, good attacking threat without Kiefer Moore. We'd leave him out and we'd try something else, but it just wouldn't quite come together. And then the whole sort of functioning of our team would look different when Kiefer Moore would come on as a focal point. I think we got to a point in the those three games in the autumn where actually we showed that, you know, we could carry a threat even without him. So it would be, I guess it'd be less urgent now for us to get him back into the team than it might have been a sort of year ago. Um, but 
it is a sort of kind of interesting thing to keep in mind that for Kiefer Moore to fit into that team where we're playing a back three and wing backs and, and especially if we decide we need Morel in there, you do have to find a way to leave out someone really crucial to either accommodate Johnson or accommodate uh, Moore. And I suppose it would may well be Dan James or, or Harry Wilson. So the kind of shape we've been we've been using for the last sort of six months does mean that you by default are forced to leave your Johnsons and your Moores on the on the bench. So any big tactical shift around personnel like that has to be quite a big call by nature of just the way we've been setting up in, in recent games. Gents, I know you need to crack on. It's going to be absolutely massive, isn't it? Um, it's a shame that there is the, the backdrop to it all, geopolitically speaking, uh, that there is. Um, but once the whistle goes, you've got to try to forget that. And it's the game that we've got to go out and win and show frankly no mercy in anything else to say only that it's it's strange how atmosphere has kind of changed how big a game this is on monday i'm going to be broken or delirious or broken and delirious one way or the other essentially it's just it's huge isn't it Mm -hmm. and the fact that we've got three games after it it's going to be so surreal if we don't qualify but at the moment i'm still feeling like it's more more confident than i should be perhaps more confident than is natural as a wales fan yeah if we qualify the Netherlands game midweek to a point, but the Belgium game the following Saturday is going to be party <laughs> time, isn't it? If we uh, if we can get through Sunday, Saturday night, go to the football and then think we're only a week on from qualifying for a World Cup, that is going to be party yep. night. Cannot wait. Fingers crossed and touch everybody. And if we don't do it, the hangover at home to the Netherlands is going to be horrible. Oh, yes. um, and that's the last team you want coming to town. If you're a yard, half a yard, a little bit slower than usual as well, they'll all just terrorist to shreds. We managed to get through this without mentioning penalty shootouts, which is probably for the best, frankly, um, for all of our mental health. But it could be a long one as well, of course, on Sunday, which I think actually, I, I am minded, going back to what we said earlier, I, I think would would suit us in terms of fitness. I, I do wonder whether the longer they're in the game, the better they're going to feel about it. So I, I'm not really sure I, I'm, I'm up for extra time, let alone penalties at the end of it. But um, yeah, it's going to be massive. And yeah, you mentioned David Ewan's going to be there. If, if there's one thing the FAW, there's lots of things the FAW does right these days, but if there's one thing they consistently get right, it's that kind of tone to, to, and, and the atmosphere. Um, it's celebratory when it needs to be celebratory. It's 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 respectful when it needs to be respectful. It, all of those other kind of messages, social messages around kind of harassment, anti-discrimination, anti-racism, it tends to do it really, really well. It stage manages things really, really well. Uh, I don't envy them for having to set the game up for Sunday as well, given the circumstances. But I'm have full confidence that they will they will get the tone correct. I'm, I'm sure the fans will as as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be huge. Oh man, what am I going to do for the next forty eight hours?